welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Today we're going to be in, in chapter 10, and this is such a beautiful scripture. He goes from arguing with the Pharisees to, to where he calls himself the Good Shepherd. Well, if he's a Good Shepherd, then what are we? We're a bunch of sheep. And, and, you know, I find it interesting that out of all the animals on this earth, in the Bible, we're called sheep. Now, there's a lot of animals that I could think of that, that I would rather be compared to than sheep. I mean, turn to your neighbor right now and ask what type of animal they would be if they could be an animal. Now, we know that we literally can't do this. We don't, you know, become animals or anything like that. But I bet you no one said, oh, I'd like to be a lamb. You know, tigers, zebras, elephants, I don't know. But no one probably said, oh, I want to be a sheep or I want to be a lamb. But we have to get the use of this idea of us being lambs or sheep. So go ahead and get it out of your system. Turn to your neighbor and just give them a good bang. <laughs> I was just trying to see if you'd do it. <laughs> well, let's get into the scripture. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter in the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand these things which he spoke to them. So Jesus has been in Jerusalem, and, and there are those who believe that they're called to be the shepherds of the people. And they actually feel like they're, they're following the law. And we call the, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees the leaders of Israel. And they, they, what they're doing, what they're thinking is... They're thinking they're being righteous. They're thinking they're following the law. But in reality, they've really missed the Messiah completely. I mean, God is here on earth, and they don't even recognize him. But even bigger than that, they've really been missing God for a long time. And all their, you know, there, there have been some good priests along the way um, that would be in the temple, but there's been a lot of bad priests along the way that, that weren't called to task. Well, you know, people didn't stand up and say, that is wrong what you're doing. But these guys, they feel like they're the guardians of Israel. And Jesus comes along, and as he starts to teach, as he starts to, to deal with these guys, they start to really feel bad about themselves. And he keeps telling them, you're not leading the way I want you to. And that was the reason ultimately he came to this earth. Because things were being done in the name of religion that did not represent who the Father was in the heart of the Father. 
So in John chapter 10, Jesus opens up with another metaphor. And this is probably one of the most familiar metaphors of the Bible. The sheep and the shepherd. It's used over 500 times in the Bible. You will hear the, the, you know, the reference to the sheep or shepherd. Almost every book of the Bible, from Cain and Abel all the way through the Lamb of God and Revelations, you will find it over and over. A hundred times, you know, God calls himself the shepherd. And this is very important. So it's, so it's really important for us to understand th- this metaphor. It's good for us to understand it because Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, talking about Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And I know many of you are students of the Bible. And, and as you start to see the word, you will start to see all these guys who were shepherds. You have Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David. All these guys were shepherds. You know, Isaac met his wife. Why? Because she was a shepherd. Moses met his wife. And Moses ultimately became a shepherd. Why? Because he met his wife, the shepherd. For 40 years, God used Moses, or used sheep, to teach Moses. He used them to show him how to lead a larger herd of sheep called the Israelites in the wilderness. It was like the Lord said, okay, Moses, if you can learn how to corral these sheep, and, and I like to compare sheep to junior hires, being you know from junior high ministry, I, I believe that all adults really ultimately end up going back to junior high mentality. That's just my belief. But really, if you can figure out how to lead this group, these sheep then you can figure out how to lead my people. It was like the Lord said, if you can learn how to lead these sheep, you will plug into my heart. But you'll also know how to lead people. And leading a church and being a boss or being a parent, is a lot of times a lot you know, about leadership. And he has so much to teach us about that. You know, he... There's other guys like Amos and, and David before he was a king that were, were shepherds. And so many of us look at this, this concept and go, wow, you know, a shepherd, it must have been great, you know. Hey, we look at Moses and David and think, wow, they grew, you know, God taught them how to do all this stuff. And, and you know, I, I start to, the more I study about it, you know, society really looked down at, at shepherds, kind of the low class, the working class, the, you know, kind of, ooh, the the shepherds. In fact, I don't know if you remember Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers who were shepherds. And the Lord blessed Joseph to the point where, you know, as he traveled to Egypt and, and all the stuff that went through Joseph and, and Potiphar's wife and all those things. But Joseph ends up being in charge of basically Egypt at the time. He wasn't the number one guy, but he was the guy that did everything. And a long story short, you know, his brothers show up one day. And he forgives his brothers, and he takes care of them. He rescues his family from famine, even though years before they sold him off into slavery. And they moved with dad up to Egypt, and, and you know, they put him up north in Goshen, the land of Goshen. And, 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 but he told them, he goes, now guys, as you meet all these Egyptians, don't tell them you're, you're you know, shepherds. Don't do that. They're, they're not going to take too kindly with, with that. Just kind of... Just leave that alone. Why? Because they were shepherds. 
Now remember David. All his brothers are off to, to war and he was left, you know, left behind to do what? Tend the sheep. Man, what a drag. All your brothers are out having fun at war and you're left taking care of the sheep. And finally he gets a chance to, to take some food to his brothers and he's up to the front line and, you know, he, he asks, why aren't you guys fighting? And they're looking at him like, dude, go back to your miserable flock. Get out of here. We don't want you around here. Go home to your, your, your sheep, you little brat. I mean, that's the way he was treated in the scriptures. Go back and read them. And that's kind of the, the vibe there. So being in charge of sheep is not a mobile, uh, noble thing all the time. But it is interesting that, that as, uh, you know, the angels came to, to celebrate Jesus' birth, who did they go to first? The shepherds. So all through scripture, we see this metaphor of us being sheep. But we're like, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a lion. I want to roar. Anything but a helpless little sheep. Uh, you know, a little sheep that, that can't, or a lamb that can't defend itself. I mean, sheep, like, when they fight, they knock heads. And usually they're fighting over girls. I mean, how dumb is that? We could never relate to that, could we? They're not very intelligent. They've been known to walk right into open flames. I don't get it. But then I look at human actions and I'm sitting there going, you're headed toward a tragedy. tragedy. You're, you're headed toward a wreck. What are you doing? And people just keep going right there. So I start to see how we re- relate to this. They've been known to walk right off the sides of cliffs. You know, I mean, at least cattle, they do that when they're scared. Like they just start running and if there's a cliff there, they just go right off. But they have to be scared to do that. Sheep will just do it. They've been known to walk right in the middle of a pack of wolves and then start ban in the middle of the wolves. How do we relate to this? Man, I'm sitting there going, yeah, we totally do this. Get in the middle of bad situations and go, hey, I'm here. Man. Then you go to the, to the Tulare County Fair and you go look at the clean little fluffy sheep. They're so cute. Come to find out, the reason why they're so clean is because the 4-H kids cleaned them all up. Because sheep could, stay, could, could care less about being clean. They even produce this thing called lanolin. It helps protect their skin. Uh, you know, their skin from the elements and other stuff. But what it does, it, it makes them a giant Velcro ball. Anything they touch just sticks to them. I mean, you can tell where they've been. Oh, you've been out there in the mud, huh? Because it's stuck right there. I mean, even a pig will clean itself up, but not sheep. So the more you think about this metaphor, we start to understand. We start to understand why God calls us sheep. And I don't like it all the time. But I do like that he calls himself the shepherd. I like that. He says, my sheep know my voice. And they don't follow strangers. And this is so important. It is why we teach the Word of God here. It's why we worship here. We worship through the Word. We worship through music. We worship through fellowship. It's so important for us to know the voice of God. Because there's so many strangers out there. We need to know the difference in the voices of God and the voices of, of stuff that's not from God. Because the voice that doesn't come from God, it masquerades itself as light. It masquerades itself as goodness. Yet it's 
darkness. We need to know the difference. But when we know the shepherd's voice, we know when something doesn't sound right. We know when something else comes along, we go, that's, no, that's, that's not my understanding. That's not what I've learned from the scriptures. It's not what I've learned from the Bible. Not because we're so intelligent, because we're sheep, remember? And this is what's so cool about the Lord. He doesn't, you know, just call us dumb. Oh man, Alan, you're dumb. He doesn't call us that. We're just mortal. We've been made this way. And he loves us. He knows our limitations. But he keeps talking to us. He keeps talking to us so we know his voice. And when he speaks out our name, we go, huh? So like a dog or, or even a cat, when you call its name, when they know its name, they kind of perk up for a second. You know, over Christmas Eve, um, a family was getting a little kitten for their, for their kids. And, and they're naming this little kitten Gigi. So Lisa and I were, were cat-sitting the night because we were going to take it over in the morning. As, you know, so mom and dad could give it to him as a Christmas gift. And we're playing around with the little kitten. And, you know, while we know the name Gigi... Well, the little kitten doesn't know its name yet. So we're going, Gigi, hey, Gigi, here, kitty, 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 hey, Gigi. Totally ignoring us. Now, side note, I I don't know why, at 3 a.m., my wife starts playing with the kitten in the bed, and I'm like, are you playing with the kitten? Then she did it at 5 a.m., a whole other story. But I bet you six months from now, If I walked into that house and I go, hey, Gigi, she'd perk her head up. Why is that? Because she knows her name. See, the longer we're we're around the Lord, the longer we hear our name, the longer we hear the voice of God. And I don't mean that, oh, I've accepted God and then I do nothing with it. I'm talking about we really get to know Him. We start reading His Word. We start talking with Him. We really do start to know His voice. So Jesus is talking to them, and he, he also mentions this sheepfold thing. He says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way. Well, what is this sheepfold thing? Well, the sheepfold is, they, they had community pens out there. And they were basically a, a, like, almost like a circle or a square that, that you know, was all, um, that had no exits to it except for one. And what would happen is... Um, the shepherd would take a sheep, lead a sheep into the pen, and then he would lay down in front of the door. The sheep would not go out because the shepherd is blocking the door. So he knew how to protect his sheep. He's protecting those that are inside from leaving or somebody wanting to come in. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is that if one of us jumps over that wall and takes off, he'll come and find us. He'll come and get us because we see the heart of God here. In Luke 15, he says that, you know, which one of you, you know, if found that one of your sheep were lost, would not go out and search for them. He's talking to a bunch of shepherds. And they even know which one is missing. They'll go and find them and they will carry him home and celebrate when they get back. And this is what Jesus came for. He came to find you guys and bring you back to the fold. Because his church is the fold. He is the one that sets at the door. He is the one that protects us. And as long as the church is in Tulare, as long as the church is, uh, you know, across this world, 
keep Jesus in that sheepfold, in that door, then we're his church. And when we push him out of the way and somebody else gets in that door, it's not a good thing because they're not the shepherd. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Then Jesus in verse 7 said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who enter came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And those are the B.C. days before Christ. And he's not talking about what you did. He's talking about what was done to you. To steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. That's what the thief has come to do. But he is there to protect you. He says, I have come that, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is so beautiful here, guys. This is awesome. And he's really teaching to a mixed group here. One group is listening to every word, and every time he uses the word, I am, you know, uses the word of God, you know, the I am statement where where God told Moses, you know, Moses go, who do I go tell? You know, sent me when he goes to Pharaoh, and and God says, I am. It'd be like me saying Alan, or, or you saying Jeff, or Tim, or Kathy, or, you know, whatever your name is, you're just putting it out there. That's who sent you. I am. So every time Jesus used the word I am, man, there's this one group that's just totally irritated. Yep. He's talking like he's God again. I am the door. As if he's the entrance. And they're sitting there thinking, because they're the Pharisees. We are the gatekeepers. We are the priesthood. You know, the Pharisees would say, we are the righteous ones. We keep the laws. That's what their mindset said. But Jesus is saying, no, you're not. You're just sheep. I am the door. But at the same time, he's irritating this one group. He's blessing this whole other group by laying out all these promises that he has for them. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Lord, I enter by you. Okay, you're saved. Lord, I have so many things in my past, though, that we need to talk about. Uh, Alan, I didn't bring that up. But since you did, well, that's really not the issue. Did you enter by me? Okay, then you're saved. I accept you. It means that you understand that he is the way. Okay? Then you have eternal life. I've come that, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Who is they? You. This is just great. Verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling It does not care about the sheep. So Jesus here is talking about those who should be taking care of the sheep. But they're in it for the money. And if there's no money in it, they're so out of there. I was going to be a pastor, but man, they they don't really pay much. I was going to be a Bible study leader, but you know what? Those people just really don't listen. They don't listen to me. This is what a hireling would say. What is the health plan? How many days off do I get? 
When do I get more money? This is what a hireling does. One thing that I've learned is the Lord has always taken care of me. Times when I didn't know where the money was going to come from or, you know, the Lord has always taken care of me. I'd be like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he says, I know. Well, that's just it, Lord. I know that that's not a good enough answer for me. Well, not yet, Alan. I'll I'll give you the answer, but but you're going to have to wait on that. I mean, have I ever let you down yet? One of the things that I try to model around here is serving. I'm no better than, than anyone else. I can pick up a table as good as anyone else. Yet there are times when, when I get to sit back and watch other people serve. And, and if I do that too often, it's a bad thing. But sometimes it's good to sit back and, and look and, and stuff. But, you know, I had fun putting, uh, putting away the tables at the game night the other night. Why? Because ministry happened while we were playing those games. Relationships were built. We loved, laughed, and played together. I believe the Lord smiled down upon us that night. I think we had like 60 some odd people here. It was a fun time. Why? His sheep were enjoying themselves. And he gets excited when his sheep enjoy life. And they're in the fold. But any other type of leadership that gets to the point... Where they're not serving along the people, they're just hirelings. And if you read the scriptures, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and and Zechariah, you'll see the Lord just coming down on the kings of Israel. Why? They're supposed to be shepherding his people. And oh man, I mean, he goes off on some of them. I mean, they're bad shepherds. I wanted you to take care of my people, and look what you've done. You've fleeced the sheep. You've slaughtered the sheep. You ate the sheep. You consumed them for your own kingdom. Even Solomon the Lord spoke to like this. Therefore, when Jesus came, he had compassion on the people. Why? As he said, as they ran around the lake to find where he was going, he said they looked like sheep without a shepherd. Don't let one man ever become your shepherd. Never let me become your shepherd as your pastor. Ultimately, Jesus is your shepherd. Don't put somebody up on that pedestal. Why? Because man will fail you every time. Because Jesus Christ is the ultimate shepherd. Jesus came to be that shepherd. And he says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As my Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about us. I have other sheep who are not Jewish sheep. And to think that the Lord, you know, He came because we would not have been included if He hadn't came. Praise the Lord He came. Verse 17 says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. And months before His death, Jesus is predicting it right here. Four months later, they crucify him. Four months, that's all. That's like April for us. April. 
So in December on the calendar, or early January, Jesus is already predicting his death. Verse 19, he goes on and says, Therefore there was a division among the Jews because he was saying, and many of them said, He is a demon and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? They, they just decided, this guy's a lunatic. Others said, These are not words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Because remember, the blind man was just healed. Now it was a feast of dedication in, feast of dedication in Jerusalem. And it was winter. So this would have been Hanukkah for them. And, the, you know, a really cool study is to study the, the, the history of Hanukkah. And we look at it and we, we think, okay, it's, it's part of Jewish heritage. That's what the Jews do and all that. But, you know, it's part of our heritage also. But, but Pastor Al and I, I'm not Jewish. Well, that might be true. But since you're adopted in a Jesus family, guess what you are now? Not by blood, but by adoption. You were the other sheep that's been brought into the fold. So it's a part of our history. And, you know, Jerusalem's about 6,000 foot elevation, and it's rainy and snowing sometimes. And here's a picture, and, and Jesus would have been... Did I mess it up? Did I... Oh, never mind. We don't have that picture. My bad. But if you saw the, the temple grounds... From your view, if you were on the Mount of Olives, you would look across and on your left-hand side there would have been a whole bunch of columns and a long, huge overhang that protected them from, from the, the elements. You know, 45-foot you know, high marble columns going all the way around and you could see the Mount of Olives across from it. And he's teaching right there in verse 24. He says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works I do, I do in, the works I do in my father's na- in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Hello guys, don't you get it? You are not of me. I didn't call you mine. So don't you get it? As I said to you, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. There he goes again. In the middle of these weird conversations, he's laying out promises for us. But you have to decide what side you're going to be on. Do you want to fight with Jesus? Or do you want to listen to the promises that he has for you? I choose the Jesus who's laying out the promises myself. I don't fight with him so much anymore. I still do a little bit because I'm human, but not so much anymore. I said he's not crazy. I said he's not a lunatic, not a liar. What he said is true and has been proven over and over through the Old Testament prophecy. So you really have three choices. You call him a lunatic, just crazy, You call him a liar, you know what a liar is, or you call him Lord. Three choices. So I've chosen Lord. And he says, hey there, sheepy Alan. And I go, hey, I hear your voice. I recognize that voice. And he says, yes, and I've given you eternal life that you shall never perish Now, neither shall anyone snatch them or you out of my hand. This is great. I don't have to be afraid of the devil anymore. 
I don't have to be afraid. I, you know, I know enough about the devil to know that he's really powerful. More powerful than me. At least the Alan before Christ. But I know that I have a shepherd now that protects me. I got the big guy on my side. I don't know if you've seen the movie Blindside, but it's all about the, you know, the lineman that, that protects the quarterback. I got the big guy on my side. I don't have to worry because he's protecting me. He says, I got you in my hand. Now, how strong is your hand? As you get older, it's not as strong as it used to be, but how strong is your hand? Now, think about Jesus' hand. He's perfect. How strong is his hand? And he's never going to let you go once you're there. Verse 25, 29 says, My Father who has given, them, has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then, G, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of those works do you want to stone me? Come on, guys, which one? Tell me. Which one? Which one are you going to stone me for? He's challenging them. The Jews answered him. Sorry, I, I got mixed up on slides here. And the Jews answered him, verse 33, saying, for, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. You were a liar. That's the one they chose. And because you, being a man, made or make yourself God. There will be those that come to your door every now and then and knock on the door. And would tell you that Jesus did not claim to be God. Now that you know John chapter 10, you can say, wait. The truth is that he did say he was God. Even the Pharisees understood that. It's right here. For blasphemy, they wanted to stone him. Because you make yourself God. So don't ever let anybody tell you that he didn't claim to be God. He said, I am one with the Father. And everyone listening understands and knew what he was claiming. This is why they were going to stone him. And because I believe him, I have eternal life. And no one is going to snatch that away from me. Now, as we talk about the Good Shepherd, I can't help but, but go to Psalms 23. You know, I, at first I was just going to kind of finish out the chapter and end it there. And I just, I just kept going back to Psalms 23. Because Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we, we need to understand he's the only shepherd to a sheep. And that God is David's shepherd when David writes this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, if he leads me somewhere, then that is where I should be. I shouldn't want something else. This is like a command. I shall not want. Want such a powerful thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, it's so important for us not to look at green pastures in everybody else's yard. It's so important for us not to go, I like that green pasture over there. Stretching our head over the fence. You know, like sheep and cattle do you know they'll like the barbed wire be like poking against them and they get their you know head all the way through trying to get that green grass because it's better over there even though they got some right at their feet man if i had that pasture laid down i'd be so happy no you wouldn't 
So many, you know, American Christians fail right there. We need to understand the not wanting. Look at what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me rest. He makes me take a nap. He makes me take a a day off. He wants me to rest. The Lord talks more about work, I mean, more about rest than he does about work in the Bible. This is interesting because we do need to work, but we also need to, to rest. Hebrews talks about, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about taking a Sabbath rest. It's the thing that Jesus really wants, us to, uh, wants to take us into. He wants, us, uh, he wants to lead us into that rest. You know, in fact, he doesn't even tell us to eat in the green pastures. That's simple. We know how to eat. We know how to do that. But he does tell us what? To lay down. Do you know that sheep don't like to lay down? Because if they lay down the wrong way, their equilibrium gets all messed up, and literally, they can't get back up. And many have died that way, because their equilibrium kind of gets messed up. But he tells us, I want you to lay down. I will protect you. Because the shepherd will come, and what? You can't get up. What does he do? He picks you up. He leads me beside still waters. You know that sheep are afraid of rushing water? Because they're top heavy. And they got all this wool on them and all the junk that's stuck to the Velcro. And they get in rushing water and what happens? They float away. There's danger there. They like still water. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and there was actually a valley that they called the shadow of death, and we'll do that teaching some other time, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, it took me a long time to get used to the rod and staff and comfort, because I always viewed it as something that was going to hit me. You know, it's like dad when he took off the belt when you really, you know, you were really in trouble. I kind of viewed it that way. You know, God doesn't, he doesn't use the rod and the staff to discipline us. That's used to protect us. Now, what does he use to discipline us? He uses rocks. What you, why do you think David had that, that pouch for stones when he went out to meet Goliath? He was a shepherd. You know why they had that pouch? Because along the way, they would pick up rocks. And, and by the way, I had the actual rock that killed Goliath when I went to Israel. I picked it up, brought it back. Just joking. But they would, along the way, they would pick up these rocks of different sizes. And different sizes were important because if a sheep started fading the, the wrong direction, because a shepherd doesn't always lead from the front. Sometimes he's behind them. Or sometimes he has other shepherds in training that are back there in the back. And the shepherd, if a sheep's getting off, he would whistle to his kid and say, Hey, hey. And they would take out a stone, small one, and they would wrap it in their, their, their slingshot thing, and they would throw it and would hit near the sheep to try to scare them back into the fold. What would happen if the sheep wasn't scared? Well, he gets one up the backside. He takes it, he puts a rock in there, he swings it around, and he nails the sheep. Not too hard, enough to get them back in. Eventually, if the sheep just keeps going off, he's going to nail them pretty hard. 
Sometimes a shepherd has to do that with the stones. That's his discipline. Now take this today. As pastors, sometimes, and it shouldn't be all the time, sometimes you have to throw rocks. And the reaction is, whoa, the pastor just hit me with the rock. And it's not always a bad thing, just trying to keep you on track sometimes. But what does an unhealthy pastor do? They get really good at throwing rocks. Really good. And then soon everyone, including the sheep, are picking up rocks and throwing at each other. Good churches are destroyed this way. But the Lord, He doesn't treat us this way. He will never throw too many rocks at you. Why? Because He loves you. He loves you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't have to fear the rod and the staff. And come to find out, the rod is not to pound us. It's to protect us. And the hook is there to to rescue us. So we really start to get a sense of the heart of the shepherd. And I really want to send you out with this thought today. We're just a bunch of sheep. And he wants us to grow. He wants us to produce. Doesn't expect too much out of us. But at the same time, he wants us to stay in the fold. But he does want us to follow him. Good sheep follow a shepherd. And he leads them to a place to drink. He provides them something to eat. And he even allows them to lie down and rest. This is where he wants us. We need to get to a point where we understand that we are not the leader. We are not the provider. We're just the followers. And the really cool thing is, even though we're not those things, come to find out, we're not alone. We turn around, and there's others following us. Why? Because we're all following the great shepherd. Come to realize that we all also become, I like to say, miniature shepherds. I don't want to say shepherds because I don't want us to get the idea that we're the shepherd. We become like miniature shepherds and trainee, you know, the trainee shepherds, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. And we model this for the sheep. We model this for the little ones. We model this for the little ones. We model this, okay, they're not so little anymore. But we model. We model at home. We model at work. We model everywhere we go. What do we model? We model that Jesus said, I love the sheep, and I laid down my life for them. That's an awesome thing. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he means it. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you're a good shepherd, not a bad shepherd. We're so thankful that you lead us to to a place to drink, a place to eat, a place to lie down, a place to play, that you're willing to lay down in front of that door. You're willing to lay down your life to protect us. That you will hold on to us forever. That's just such a comforting thought. Lord, I pray that if I ever stray from you, that you hit me with a rock. I pray that if we ever go the wrong direction, that you come and you rescue us.
because we know you will. I pray, Lord, that you give us the ability, the forethought, the, the desire to really follow you, that we stay close to the shepherd, that we not stray off. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for dying on that cross and becoming the great shepherd, not just the good shepherd, but the great shepherd. And I pray, Lord, that as I model that to to others, that you give me the strength, the ability to do that. I pray that as we model that to our families, to our children, to those that we teach at school, those that we're around at work, those that we see on a daily basis, that they see you and not just me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you like a great shepherd does. May he protect you. May he provide for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.